0: So, good evening and good morning for those in Singapore. So we'll begin with our motivation. So there is really no one kinder to us than other sentient beings. Just as we want to be happy and don't want any problems or suffering, likewise everybody else feels exactly the same. If we think about it, everyone has been kind to us in some way or another. Therefore, it's only proper that we be concerned with all those kind beings. We would then try to think to bring to them every type of happiness and relieve them of all their problems and sufferings. Now, if we ask ourselves if we have the ability to do this, the answer is more than likely no. And so, who does have that ability? Only a fully enlightened Buddha. Someone who is totally clear minded, fully evolved, has this ability. So, what we need to do then is try to achieve that state of a fully enlightened Buddha in order to be able to benefit all beings as much as possible. So it's with this highest motivation that we share the Dharma tonight, learn from one another, grow our good qualities, and then progress along the path to full awakening. So, while Venerable Children is in Asia, we're going to be spending some time with the first five per- uh, perfections. So, tonight we'll focus on the first perfection, the perfection of generosity. Uh, we've covered these before, um, but tonight we're going to do a little different format. We're going to um, have much more interactive uh, session here, and uh, invite you online also to uh, put... Um, Put your feedback in also. And so we're going to look at how we can or how we do personally practice the perfections and also look at what obstacles uh, uh, may come up when we're practicing them. So let me just first do a brief review. These six perfections or paramitas, they're states of mind that enable us to work on ourselves and to help others in the best way possible. I think of them as uh, habituating my mind to think and act like a Buddha. These attitudes that we then develop directly counteract major obstacles that prevent uh, our success uh, to our goal of becoming fully awakened. And so mm, they're helpful to everyone. And of course, motivated by bodhicitta, then they lead us to full enlightenment. And so what are the six perfections? Let's name them. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Fortitude.
1: Concentration. Mm-hmm.
0: And wisdom. Yep. And so we train in all th- six, both in meditation and, and in our daily lives. So first we meditate on the six perfections so we understand each of these attitudes. And we meditate on them over and over and over again because these attitudes are so opposite to how we've been conditioned. So um, that's why the Lamrim Rim uh, and the Lamrim Rim meditations are so important and so powerful because um, we habituate ourselves to these new ways of uh, thinking and then behaving. And so when we bring them into daily life, this, again, means to habituate, to cultivate these attitudes, and then our actions are imbued with these attitudes. Um, so tonight then we'll focus on how we chain and ch- train in generosity in our daily life. And so broadly we could say that generosity is an attitude where we are willing to give away whatever is needed by others. That's a very broad statement. But I was just thinking about, just in this life, if we practice generosity, what would be the effect of that? What would be the result of that, just in this life?
2: We wouldn't have this feeling in the mind of scarcity, Mm -hmm. always measuring what we give.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so our minds would be... um, not so tight with, and fearful of not having enough. Yeah, what other things?
3: Uh, we set up a situation where people that we know or strangers are just um, happy to be around us because we're mm-hmm. generous. Yeah, it, yeah, uh, just makes people happy when they receive things. Yeah,
0: yeah. So we stay connected to uh, all our kind mother sentient beings. Yeah. The other thing I thought about is um, when we're generous, it makes us happy. We have a mm, open heart, kind of a big mind. Yeah. So what is the ripening result in future lives with generosity in this life? Then what happens? What are we creating the causes for?
4: Yeah, We will have resources. Yeah, we will have resources,
0: yeah. Yeah, so it starts working on decreasing our attachment when we're giving in this life, yeah. Yeah, so in future lives we have the habit and, of giving and then also of receiving, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, when we have generosity, when we practice it, it means we are willing to give without hesitation. And, when out, and without obstacles, and give when it's appropriate to give, which requires us to use some discrimination. So what would the experience of giving without hesitation be like? What would that be like? Try to describe that internal experience. What would that feel like? Spontaneous? Okay. Pardon? Blissful? Yeah. Yeah. Freeing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hm? Warm-hearted, yeah. Wealthy. You would feel wealthy. Ah, okay, yeah, okay. How does affect our self-confidence? some wisdom going, no, this person needs
3: this, I can
0: do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so some self-confidence with some... Wisdom and discernment to know what to give and when to give it. Yeah. So what would be an example of, um, well first let me ask this one, what fuels hesitation if it arises when you're thinking about giving? What arises in the mind? Fear. Fear. Fear of? Needing. Uh, not it. uh. So scarcity mind, yeah. If I give it away, I won't have it and I'm going to need it.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Just miserliness, yeah. Self-centeredness,
3: Self-centeredness.
0: yeah. I'm just not going to it to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just not going to, I'm keeping it. <laughs> yeah. Doubt. <laughs> Doubt, yeah. Doubt of what? Uh, appropriate to give. Uh-huh. If it's appropriate, yeah, to give or not. Yeah, yeah. So, what would be an example of using discrimination to inform our decision to give? What would be that? Would it be an example of that? Reading people's mind. <laughs> okay. Before we have that skill, <laughs> then what would be? For example, if
3: you're in India, mm-hmm. it's overwhelming, first of all, and so to do some research while you're in a certain place and find out. Which agency could we give to that would properly, you know, hand out the money or the meals? Uh Uh-huh.
0: There
3: would be way more people being served than just, you know, getting a chunk of change to three people. Yeah. We'd give this offering to an agency.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So to slow down and to take some time to figure out what would be the best method and who to give to like in India so that the people that are in need actually give it get it and that it would be handled well and yeah.
1: hmm
0: That's a good example.
1: At Hope House, um uh, the shelter, they were always getting sweets great scans coming many mm. women have diabetes.
0: Oh yeah. they Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So putting some thought into what you're giving and what, how it's going to affect the other. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what would be an example of practicing generosity that was out of balance, that, you know, you weren't using discernment? What would, that, what would be an example of that? Mm-hmm. So something that would affect you, giving more than you could afford, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Maxing out your credit card to be giving, yeah, not thinking about the, the result of that, even if it comes from a generous heart, but then what, yeah, when the bill comes. Uh, that would harm in the yes, giving something that would harm in the short term or long term, yeah. Giving out of guilt, yeah, uh, yeah. So if you don't spend time with your child, then you feel guilty, and so you buy him toys and this and that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a common one. Yeah. So it says that um, that we give our bodies to benefit others. Now, how that's for a high level bodhisattva. How do we apply that uh, to our current level of practice? What would be mm, something that we could do that would kind of be in that ballpark, but wouldn't be, I'm giving, you know, my body, my limbs, my eyes, my life, you know? So, what would that look like? Yeah. Volunteering your time to work, yeah, yeah. Really, I think offering um, any kind of uh, assistance or work to anybody, actually, yeah.
1: Hmm.
0: Hmm. Blood. Donating blood, yeah, yeah, or yeah, donating an organ, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. If you had long hair, you cut off your hair and give it to uh and they make wigs for people that are suffering with cancer and so as i'm going through these it starts getting so clear to me how um all of these actions uh are so dependent on our motivation and how we prepare our minds before we step into uh this uh action of generosity of giving mm-hmm. And again, I don't know about you, but for me, I'll have some spontaneous notion to give and, you know, do that, but without much preparation. That is so short-sighted, actually. So short-sighted, yeah. Um, When I give spontaneous like that... Well, a couple things. Sometimes when I give spontaneously, the first thought is just kind of a pure unagive. give Often, if I don't prepare my mind before that, a second uh, thought will come that's tainted, like, they'll think well of me, or, you know, I'll get myself in that. So it'll become a mixed, yeah, so that's often what would happen if I don't prepare my mind beforehand. I think the motivation is, is really key, and this is a very small example,
4: but it's um, it speaks to that. Mm-hmm. And um, that is that in daily life, there are opportunities where we can practice generosity. Like, for instance, you see the toilet paper roll is about to run out. Instead of leaving it, you change it and yeah. prepare it for yeah. the next people that come. Or you find that um, there's two tablespoons of soy milk left in the container and You just watch it without... If there's already an attitude of, I'm going to practice generosity, then there's not the grumbling mind that wants to get angry or Mm -hmm. um, upset or or irritated by those sorts of things. You just do it. Yeah. It's just, you know, and and it becomes a joyous thing then because, oh, I get to practice generosity Yeah, instead of the opposite, which is...
0: Like it's yeah, like yeah, like it's something that's impeding me from what I want to do. Yeah. I have to stop and do this now. Oh, yeah, yeah so that mind. It's
4: already an attitude of mm-hmm. if I can. Yeah. yeah, this will be my, my small offering today. Yes, you know, one way that I yeah, hopefully it yep. leads to bigger things.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Opposite of that is when your mind is not kind of in that place. Mm-hmm. You're, it's kind of not a very happy mind a lot of times, and it doesn't have a a lot of good energy for others either. Mm -hmm. When when people, um, well, I guess that if you feel like you don't have anything to give, that doesn't feel very good Uh in these kind of situations, just these small things. Mm -hmm. And then it impacts the people that you're around, too.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when the mind is in that state, what would be an antidote to nourish the mind and help get out of that place. Well for
2: me I just I just remember how good it feels to be in the other place. You know like uh, there's yeah. a lot of the things that you're gonna be doing anyway. Yeah. You know, and yeah. need to get done. So if you can have more of the kind of like a positive feeling about it, then you move through your day with a lot more joy. And if you don't, then you're just kinda of like slough, you know, like slugging yeah. through the day. Like yeah. Don't ask me for anything,
0: yeah, <laughs> you <know>?
2: yeah, 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 <laughs> it's just a drag yeah i don't i I don't really like living my life that way,
0: yeah, and so yeah. when I
2: get into that state, I'm usually like wanting to get myself out of it or hide one or the other, I don't
0: know,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, I always think about uh just what I need in those moments is some uh nourishment so some compassion and some resource. So maybe I'm, you know, I've done too much and I need to regroup and take care of myself or, you know, many different things. But the, like you were saying, the focus then turns. How can I work with what's going on inside here so I'm not in misery? Yeah.
2: The feeling of when I, you know, I can't extend myself any further. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: But that's... That to me actually feels quite like healthy. Like I'm just discerning like what I'm capable of like, mm-hmm. this afternoon, mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. But this mind is more the one that I don't. I really don't like is when I just I don't know. It's a different thing. It's not mm-hmm. so clear as that mind. I guess uh-huh. that mind's pretty clear. Like uh-huh. you know, this one's more selfish. Actually, uh-huh. it's not. Yeah, it's, uh, it
0: doesn't have as much clarity as. Uh-huh. Yeah yeah: So what are some specific examples of sharing roots of virtue with others? Sharing our merit, sharing results of merits we have built up through our own practice what
1: would that what would that
0: look like? What would that be
5: like? So I can think of two ways. The first one is you know dedicating the merit of our virtuous activities mm-hmm. and the second one is as we uh, practice the Dharma, we are changing how we interact with beings around us, so mm-hmm. that is part of our sharing our virtue with yeah. them. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, nice, yeah, yeah. I thought about, um, due to constructive actions in past lives, in this life I've been able to meet really wonderful teachers, and so then if I um, introduce others to the teacher or the teachings, and then that's a way to kind of, mm, you know, spread it around and share uh, the virtue that I've experienced from creating the causes to meet this in this life. Teaching, praying, and Teaching the Dharma, yeah. And praying, yeah, for others, yeah. But um, organizing um, events and territories and joining people who may have the the Yeah, activities? yeah, so, yeah. Uh, uh, planning events, creating events, bringing others in uh, to share in that, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think any anything that we have to offer our skill and abilities that we that we consciously offer to others is part of this process of um, uh, because if you start tracing back you know where did I get this knowledge, and you know we see how. Um, there's some virtue that's involved in mm, this happening, and then how I treat it. You know, I don't miserly keep the information to myself, and I don't share it. Instead, I sh- I share and you know open it to others. Yeah. So there's um, three uh, parts to generosity. So we've again we've gone over this, but let's start uh, thinking about this in terms of our own practice and how we how we uh, uh, engage in these kinds of uh, generosity. So the first is the generosity of giving material aid. And this refers to possessions, food, clothing, money, time, any other material things, I think. And so what I thought about this one was when you give something to someone, are you aware of your motivation? Is there a motivation there? I mean, there is something there. It wouldn't happen. But what, what is that generally? What would you say? So when you actually think about giving something, that comes up for you. That I want to make them happy. I want them to be happy. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Are there times when you enter into an offering, something to someone, and you're not really clear about the motivation? It's not been very developed or articulated internally. I mean, that's my case often. I would say. Yeah. So I think. For me, this is one area to really start working on developing and getting much more clarity. Um, And I think, you know, in this, at least in this culture it seems to me like, at least how I have been uh, conditioned to think about I'm going to give something so that I can practice generosity and so may this uh help me become fully awakened. That's doesn't that doesn't seem so um how would I say that? That's not like something that's just gonna roll off my tongue, you know? And so um it almost seems just because it's so unfamiliar, it almost seems kind of braggy or something to me, even though it's not. And I think that's kind of Western culture, you know, don't, you know, don't don't brag about that stuff. But the problem with not getting really clear about what we're offering and why we are is that we lose out in creating this merit, which is so important. I don't know, so other people have that? Uh, Yeah.
4: Um, Along those same lines, there was a period of time where I would make just a water offering to His Holiness every morning, and it became such a lovely ritual that I enjoyed, and I would really think about the emptiness of the person offering, Mm -hmm. the emptiness of the offering itself, the emptiness of the action offering and I noticed that as I did that each morning that it started to filter into other moments where I was um, giving something. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, I can only imagine uh, I'm like you uh, in terms of having a little bit of difficulty of constantly having this goal of I want to achieve enlightenment and therefore everything I do within the yeah. day needs to be motivated yeah. with that in mind. Yeah. Having yeah. to be so conscious. But I, I yeah. do have this other little experience that uh-huh. showed me that those little moments do add up and they make yeah. a difference. If, but consistency is the key, isn't
0: yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So in the Lam Rim Chemo, it lists three attributes in uh, motivation for giving. The first one is a focus on purpose, and that's just what we've been talking about. So, based on this giving, I will complete the perfection of generosity, a precondition of enlightenment. (laughs) So, you know, to think of actually saying that, you know, to actually think that. And of course, like you said, setting that kind of motivation, how it would affect your mind, yeah, especially consistently, which is the key, I think. And then the second one is a focus on the thing to be given. And so this one would think, from the outset a bodhisattva gives away all possessions to living beings, so the material goods that I am giving belong to others, and it is if they are uh, receiving things kept in trust. So how does that one affect the mind? What would that one, if we actually thought that way, How would that one affect? Should I say it again? From the outset, a bodhisattva gives away all possessions to living beings, so the material goods that I am giving belong to others. It is as if they are receiving things kept in trust. So if I thought about that when I had something that I was going to give to somebody...
5: You would think about um, the interdependence of mm-hmm. everything that you have, you learned from someone else mm-hmm. and through the kindness of others, mm-hmm. all the skills, knowledge, mm-hmm. good qualities that came from others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think also along with that, the one that popped into my head was that this thinking this way is really going to start chipping away at my attachment big time you know, if I, even if I don't believe it, but if I think, you know, I've procured this, I got this, but it really isn't mine, it belongs to others, and then offer it, my relationship to it to begin with is going to be different. It's not going to be, this is mine, and now I'm going to give it to you. It's not even mine, it's just passing through. Yeah, you're giving it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why, when I was thinking about this, then that's why Venerable is so um, clear with us about when we bring things to the Abbey, we mentally give them to the Abbey. This is that practice, really,
1: you know. This is that practice. I can see there would be a lot of joy and... um a sense of play at thinking, I'm looking for the rightful owner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> I've nice. We'll say that. To oh, me that's often nice. Yeah. In the past. Yeah. Once they feel they've found that person, it feels like the perfect fit. And yeah. Oh, that's
0: nice. Yeah. And nice. yeah. Nice. And that's sweet. If the mind's a little bit
3: tight. You might decide there's never
0: a perfect person. Perfect person. <laughs> I have to hold this. <laughs> yeah. I have to keep this. <laughs> I think also it would affect in terms of if I didn't think it was mine on any level or on many levels, you know, that I could really decrease that, have this thought, then um, it also would cut this idea of some expectation for some in, something in return. I think, you know, which is a sticky kind of attachment thing too. I think, and then the third one is a focus on the recipient. And this one you would think, since these recipients, whether asking for the gift or not, bring to completion my perfection of generosity, they are my teachers. So how would this one affect the mind if you could think this as you were uh, setting your motivation up for giving? Since these ones that I am giving this gift to. It brings uh, to completion my perfection of generosity. They are my teachers. For this one, I thought um, it would remind us of the interdependence. You know, without a recipient, there can't be a giver. Yeah. And then I thought also maybe some humbleness would arise, and um, it would also support to give without pride, you know, uh, kind of more pure giving. So then the section, second is the... So, well,
2: you're up
0: the this. well, but see, that, it's interesting that that's kind of what I was trying to explain earlier, that, you know, we have this, I can't really say all that. But why not? Sure we can, you know? If we do, then we'll habituate to it, you know? (laughs) Uh, So yeah, it's interesting, yeah. So to work with that mind that doesn't want to say something like that, I think is a good practice. So the next is the generosity of giving protection from fear. So this refers to helping others when they're having difficulties, helping people who are experiencing danger, harm, threats, helping those who are traveling, uh, feeling that they're going to get their things stolen, protecting them, accompanying them, those kinds of things, giving them instruction. So on this one I thought, how is this type of generosity affected by our level of equanimity that we have developed How are those two influence each other?
4: Well, the stronger the awareness of equanimity is, then the more even even the giving is, and not just I'll give to you because I like you today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. not, I'm just not going
3: to give to that person. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can share an example of when I was not doing it so well. Uh-huh. um I was in San Francisco for a few days, and there were a whole bunch of different kinds of street people. And uh, some of them scared me, Uh so I gave them less. You know, they would have cost you in the subway. So Uh I'd give give to them out of fear. Uh And then this one particular man um, started calling me sister. And so I saw him five days in a row and he'd smile and call me sister and I gave him a lot of money. Ah. So there was no equanimity there at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More to purify.
0: Mm. So really, you can think about this, that um, we're, we're giving our equanimity to others. That's kind of a nice thought, isn't it? That we're giving our equanimity to others. This means that others have absolutely nothing to fear from us because we're not going to cling to them with attachment, or reject them with anger, or hostility, or ignore them. So here we're equally open to everybody, which is a really wonderful gift to give anyone. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't have to be so material, you know. It just can be giving our equanimity to others. And again, if we approach it that way, then built in that kind of thought is some rejoicing and recognition of my virtue. Which is, you know, I think that we do many virtuous things many times a day that get ignored and lost. And I don't think that's so helpful, you know. I think it's good that we could acknowledge it. And again, of course, we have to be uh, wary of being arrogant or getting full of ourselves. So we have to figure out how to balance that. But I think most people, I don't know, maybe you don't agree, but err on the side of not even uh, acknowledging. Instead, our mind is stuck in, where did I screw up? Where did I mess up? What did I not do? And that really... Slows down our progress a lot. Yeah, yeah, more rejoicing. Yeah,
5: I think when we think about generosity, we usually think about material things, giving material things. But mm-hmm. I like to think about just kindness and yeah. a smile or yeah, you know, not controlling my emotions and not flaring up and lashing out at other people, uh-huh. holding doors. Yeah. So the, the non-material yeah. things, how you treat other people, I think, you mm-hmm. know, you, that requires effort sometimes. Yeah. So that's yeah. generosity. Yeah, nice.
0: Yeah. And when you do that, then do you uh, uh, recognize the virtue of that and know that you're creating merit and then dedicate that merit to full awakening?
1: No, no,
0: <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> time
1: is such a coveted commodity, mm-hmm. and when we when we're generous with some time, I think we can really take advantage of that as um, yeah. recognizing it because every, there's pressures from every direction mm. on how to use your time. And uh. If you carve it out and and. Yeah. Give it to someone. Yeah. Else, very generous really. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Without it being a commodity. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's again it's a internal attitude, you know.
3: Yeah. I think there's a lot of people um giving this uh, gift of alleviating fear a lot. For example, today I was at the eye doctors. Uh-huh. There were a number of people there who had just had eye surgery. Uh, and you could tell that they were very, very stressed. And uh, I saw all these people in the office being so kind to them and yeah. you know, extending a hand and leading them out of the chair. Mm-hmm.
2: And mm-hmm. You know,
3: now I think people are just more prone to being anxious. We mm-hmm. see this here at the Abbey mm-hmm. with people coming. Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of people stepping up to the plate to alleviate fear. Yeah. It's very inspiring.
0: Yeah, we we're we were surrounded by kindness if we look for it and think about it in those ways. It's everywhere. And so the third one is giving the Dharma. And so what are all the ways you give Dharma? Okay, so teaching or sharing. What else? Giving someone a Dharma book, yeah. Yeah, living ethically being a good example, yes. Dharma perspective, yeah. Dharma counseling, kind of, yeah. Supporting our, teachers. Supporting our teachers. Leading meditation. Writing to inmates. Writing to inmates. Saying mantra out loud so other beings can hear it. Having cats in the room when you're sharing the Dharma. <laughs> Taking time to take boats around. Yes. How about with non-Buddhists? How can we do it? So talking to them about love and compassion and ethics that's universal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what thinking blocks you from giving the Dharma? Okay. Feeling that you don't know anything, so lack of confidence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What else? Laziness. Yep. I know that one. Yep. feeling like you don't have enough time. Yeah. Mhm. Not not so sure about how to yeah, to um impart what you want in a skillful way. Yeah. Not wanting to prescribe when you don't really know. Yeah. And so with some of these blocks, uh, lack of confidence or not sure how to approach or whatever, how do we work on getting skill in that to be able to share? What would build that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yes. Yes. Oh, that's so good, yeah. So if you're not so sure how to approach something that it's going to be skillfully received, you know, it would be received, it was done skillfully, that where you can start is that you start with getting very clear about what your motivation is, why you're going to say what you're going to say. Then... That's almost like protection in some way, I think, because then whatever ends up happening, especially if it doesn't land like you wished it would, you rest in, I did the best I could, here's my motivation, it came from a good place, I spent time to do it, and thank you, now I've learned something. So just in that way. So it takes a little courage to do that, but... That's the way that we start putting the toe in the cold water, you know. (laughs) Because we are actively, it comes back to our motivation. I want to become a Buddha. How do I do that? I have to practice what the bodhisattvas do. And I have to practice with other living beings. So if I have a, a clear heartfelt motivation and what I say say is totally off the wall, then I learn from that, but I don't, like, beat myself up and, you know, I should never speak again, yeah? Because the only way that you can progress with this is by uh, doing. I mean, when I think about, you know when we first met Venerable at these retreats, you know, back in the 90s, she, I didn't know anything. And she said, you will lead the other people in the room. And we all would, you know, and you'd spend hours and hours, you know, writing something out. And, you know, it was just leading the meditation, leading, you know, and it was like, but you you know, had no confidence whatsoever and but you know she had faith in us and she you know you will do this and so we did it
5: and you know you tr- then you learn you learn yeah Venerable Jampa says that pride would interfere sharing the Dharma with others pride would pride. interfere
0: pride yeah. would interfere
5: I asked more, for more clarification, but I think it might be going along with what you're saying, is you don't want to look like a fool oh. <laughs> if you give bad advice. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: yeah. If I say something wrong, then I feel,
5: yeah, like a fool. You open yeah. yourself up to criticism. Yes, and yes. Anger. From yeah, others. yeah.
0: If I don't help, who will? Mm-hmm. I think
4: we that I've heard her say that I think she's reminding us not to develop an identity about me. like she yep. often cites as well as saying Yeah. he begins
0: to talk
4: young yeah, often says that we're not just a student like you are
1: an older brother keeps us from seeing ourselves. Because
0: the teacher role is plot with uh, Yep, yep, yeah. So it keeps us uh real and humble and um Yeah, and reminding us that we, you know, we don't, we only know what we know. And, you know, if I'm not clear about it, then I don't, I say that, I don't know. And so really, because really when you think about it, it's not that a person has all the answers. It's that a person can connect with you with their heart and respectfully see you and you see them. That's the interchange that is so beautiful, Uh-huh, offering empathy. Yes, that's, yeah, yep, 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 you bet, yep. I'd say both things are
4: important, that we connect with people in terms
0: of information Yeah. As dharma is. Yeah. But I think we downplay what information we have, often. We have more than we think, I think, often. Yeah. No, I think when we're new, it's like, I don't, ha- I, can't say, I don't have anything to say, you know. But, yeah, you do, you know, I, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think anybody that speaks honestly from their heart, and they have kind of a Buddhist worldview, that's Dharma, in my way of thinking. It doesn't have to be a list of something from the book, you know. It can be uh, living it to me that's a living of it, you know yes yep turning his yeah and what it takes to open in that way and do that that always makes an effect you know yeah it's not very pleasant when you yeah 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 but there's the opportunity then to um, open with some compassion, and maybe uh, in a skillful way, you could give them some feedback. You know, so then that would be the really the generous, you know, the generosity, the offering, you know, because it's helpful to let people know how their actions affect. If you do it from a compassionate attitude. Uh, that's a good thing,
2: yeah.
0: That's very hard to do, though. So we have to wait until we can generate that in order to do it, you know. And if I can't, for me, if I can't generate that, then I don't say anything. Yes, you don't proselytize, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, the capacity of the dharma. Uh-huh, yeah. Yes, yeah. But not requesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I have watched Venerable for some years, and like when she's invited to a place that isn't Buddhist, she will give a very profound Dharma teaching and not use any framework or Dharma words, but she's helping them. So it's kind of like you go back to the, there are some things that are, true across the board in terms of if you live ethically, that's going to be beneficial for everybody. If you cultivate a kind heart and you find some compassion and, you know, those kinds of things. So, to me, from my viewpoint, that would be sharing the Dharma. From the recipient, it wouldn't be. That's not their framework. But it would help them probably, You know, which is different to me than me walking down the lane to the next house and knocking on the door and wanting to give them, you know, some flyers and information about Buddhism. No, (laughs) that's proselytizing to me, you know. I don't know, what do other
3: people think? I know that when Venerable's on an airplane, Mm -hmm. um, I think she likes to be quiet so she can probably do her prayers. Mm -hmm. But if someone... Is interested in you know yep. this person sitting next to them and starts asking questions. Yep. Then I know for a fact that she probably won't say Buddhist words. Yeah, but she'll talk to them about the Dharma. Yep. But you know, unless they ask her, yeah. you know, I'm sure she's just very pleasant to sit beside. But she wouldn't.
0: Yeah. You know.
3: Yep. yep. Initiate conversations like, "Have you seen my BBC talk?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, time for true true confessions here. <laughs> when I first started studying buddhism i I would describe myself as born again Buddhist uh-huh. and um yeah, I was probably a little overbearing and uh heavy handed with my sharing and <laughs> made many assumptions, so um I think that is not helpful at all for other people, you know, yeah, yeah they may have their own religion, they didn't ask for it, yeah um yeah, yeah. yeah grounds yeah. for purification. Yeah, yeah.
0: The thing that just popped into my head when you talked about what, what you just said that on the plane and how Venable would be in, it just popped into my head that Venable tells the story when she first met uh, Lama Zopa Rinpoche, they talked about dolphins. <laughs> so that's an example of how Lama Zopa Rinpoche connected with Somebody that didn 't know anything about the Dharma, and it was beneficial wasn 't it? you know
5: so some comments online um, so by one 's actions, showing kindness to people and then waiting for the person to ask about the teachings, Buddhist teachings mm-hmm. um, uh, helping people practice compassion and kindness. And helping them generate merit. The yeah. So sharing the Dharma. Yeah. And then um, writing or offering books. And then people can decide if they want to read them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Those are all good. Yeah. Yeah, many ways. So generosity becomes far reaching when it is motivated and held by the altruistic intention. So each perfection can be practiced together with other perfections. So let's go through them for, uh, with generosity and make some examples about how we could practice them in our in our life. So how could you practice the ethics of generosity? What would that look like in your life? I'm doing something that doesn't belong to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it'd be appropriate yeah giving appropriate things yeah yeah three-year-old yeah or whatever yeah yeah knowing what to give using discernment when to give yeah yeah kind of this bottom line of not harming others while giving yeah not enabling yeah that's good yeah and maybe two to rid ourselves of improper motivations would be another one. You know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not giving with the eight worldly concerns. Yeah, that puts it in the nutshell, doesn't it? Yeah. So how would we practice the fortitude of generosity? Mm-hmm. Keep a good heart when people don't appreciate what you give them. Yeah. Mhm.
3: I think stretching
0: our capacity
3: to give, too. Mm-hmm. You know, we get to a certain edge. Yeah. And just, you know, going a bit beyond.
0: Open a little more, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, stretching, yeah, stretching our capacity to give, yeah. And that one, for me, that one um, is, in that moment, it's about the mind of miserliness and and the... The work is to remind myself of the benefits of giving, the impermanence of everything, you know. I keep hold of this and then what, you know. I'm going to take this old bank account with me to to death. I don't think so, you know. So those kinds of things. Um, So to work with the mind. But again, with discernment, you know. So we don't give to the point where we're In distress, we're either financially strapped or we've given things that we really did need, so we have to be kind of practical about this, also, you know. So, how do we practice the joyous effort of generosity? Yeah, just taking delight in giving, yeah, yeah, and so that's part of the motivation, isn't it? When we're when we're getting our motivation clear and we're that we could actually open our heart and rest in the joy of giving, how many times do we do that? Mm-hmm. And so, again, it wouldn't be uh, giving with any kind of sense of duty or obligation, you know, that's that heavy, Ugh. yeah. How would you practice the concentration of generosity? What would that be? Yeah, stay focused on your purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Maintaining altruistic intention while giving. Setting a schedule. Setting a schedule. Oh, of giving. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, so get it organized a bit and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then to to dedicate the merit when we give. And I think that whole, if we're really clear and we do this with some time and attention to it, I think that whole process would be quite joyous. It would be quite joyous quite joyous don't to give when you promise to give. yes don't forget to give when you promise to give yeah and also yeah sometimes i'll say oh i'll give and a certain amount and then i have the second thought of oh i don't know Should i better look and see da, da. and i immediately say shush you said this it's that and i i never waver from that yeah and yeah, that's important Follow through, yeah. Oh, to can do it to completion. If you offer to do something, then you do it to completion. Yeah, not half, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes, a focused mind that uh, does beginning, middle, and end of it. Yeah, yeah.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Christina? So go back to Joy Uh Someone says, Being delighted that I'm able to offer something instead of feeling ashamed that I didn't have more to give.
0: Yes. Oh, yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's it right there. Yeah. 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 And so if the mind has that uh, habit of feeling like I don't have enough to give and kind of shamed about it, then the way to work with that is... Mentally, start giving all the beauty around you to the Buddhas. That really brings a mind of abundance. A mind of abundance. And that's very joyful. How about practicing the wisdom of generosity? What's this one? It was said earlier. Yeah. Emptiness of the three spheres. Yeah. There's no giver without somebody that receives. Mm-hmm. So here's another one that's interesting. How do you usually respond when somebody offers you a gift? And how does your response affect them? What came to mind was something that
2: happened the other day. And I acted, in my mind, what came up was the word was stupidly. Uh-huh. Because actually, Bitterable Seppel thanks me for something. Uh-huh. I think it was last night. And I was just exhausted and I really didn't. Listen, I didn't feel like I... It was she very kind of her and I could have been gracious and just said, you're welcome. Yeah. But I was like, kind of in a stupid mind. I was very tired, but uh-huh. I was also that, that mind that comes up that can't take it in. Yeah. And so you just... Yeah. It doesn't feel right on... I'm sure it doesn't feel so great to you because you were very kind and I'm just like, whatever. I mean, uh-huh. it wasn't like that, but it, it yeah. could have been felt that way. Yeah. But the energy small, but, is yeah, a block. Like, yeah. like, not there, you know, yeah. and that... So that's yep. kind of, it, it just seems kind of stupid, really. Yeah. But yeah, you know, yeah. It's part of that is just a
0: habit. Yep.
2: You know, and then the other part is I'm not on top of myself because I'm too tired at the yep. moment. Yeah. You know, yeah.
0: Much of it is conditioning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
2: there is definitely conditioning. Yeah. Yeah. Receiving.
0: Yep. So it's really important to practice receiving with an open heart. And, you know, you might have to do it through gritted teeth. Thank you, but you do it, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because that brings the heart of abundance again. You know, if we fill our heart up, then it's easy to give. If our heart is shut and we can't ever take anything from anyone else, then it's harder to offer. So, you know, it works both ways.
1: Even if the string is attached, you can refuse
0: to take, accept the string. Yeah, yeah, you can refuse to accept the string, Yeah, but take the gift, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we can do that with our own mind, you know. If our motivation is a bit tainted, then um, we don't not give, we don't, it's like, okay, I have to quit practice until I can do it purely, well, puh. A few lives will go by, <laughs> you know. So instead, you do the best you can and you focus on what was from a uh, abundant heart and then work to uh, spend some time on getting your motivation clear. That's all it takes. Yeah, because self-centeredness, self-centered mind always wants to get in there and mess it up, you know. So any chance it gets, it, it will do that. So, but if you set a clear motivation about what you're doing, then it doesn't have anywhere to get in, you know. Um, How do you usually respond when somebody offers you a gift, and how does your response affect them? Uh huh. And again, just the final thing I'd say is that no matter how many resources we have, we can always be offering, especially mentally. And really, that's the place to start. And especially if we don't have many resources, that is definitely the place to uh, work with, you know, offering uh, mentally. Um, and it is, you know, with the way our minds work, it is just, it affects us just as much as if we offered a material something. Um, and so we're practicing the perfection of generosity when we do that and then we can dedicate the merit and, you know, uh, have the joy of it and feel the virtue, all of that yeah. so let me see if I get what you're saying you said that there are stories that you've read about ordinary people giving? No, no kind of
1: wisdom when they talk about this the Perfections
4: of
0: giving uh, uh-huh, of, Donna. Uh-huh, of Donna the, the stories are all out of this world, yeah. And of course, bodies and all that. So yes, yes, yes. really quite extreme. Yeah.
1: Even giving material things, like giving to the extent of your damaging your family. Oh. Uh-huh. And, of course, examples of giving a wife, your children, and that kind of thing. uh uh-huh.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Just a simple
1: example of, yeah, some painter who, for three years, mm-hmm. and he just give.
0: Yeah. So these stories are very um uh difficult to understand and they're kind of over the top and same way to you know like what what does this even mean? Yeah. Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah. So I guess what I would say with that is I would just keep my mind and my practice in where I am right now and what I can do and I'm working on it from my side the best way I can, and I'm using, you know, the text, the Lam Rim Chemo, to help me get some guidelines about how to do that, and I meditate on it, and I'm working with getting my motivation clear and as pure as I can, and I let that be enough, and I don't so much go to anything of extreme like that, because... You know, um, it's not applicable to where I am, I guess. I think of it that way. I don't know. No. Maybe that's a good question for Venerable at some point, like what the purpose of that uh, kind of writing is, you know, because I don't understand it either. Okay. I think we're going to stop now because I don't have any more to say.